How are you all? This is a very interesting place in Scripture. <laughs> you know what? I'm starting to feel like a little hypocrite here because I say this every week, and I really mean it, but it's, um, it's getting to be old. I've got to stop. I've got to find something else better to say. But the truth of the matter is, this is one of those places in Scripture that are, uh, is, is uh, critical to, to the life we lead as a whole. Uh, I know we're talking about marriages, and I, we're in Genesis chapter 3. Turn there, please. And I understand that we're talking about marriages. I, I get it. And, but in the midst of that, our Lord is, um, is presenting himself to the first family, Adam and Eve and their kids. But actually, he's presenting himself to the, the world family, all that are coming after them. Now, he, in, this, in the third chapter, what we saw was that actually in chapter 2, verse 17, God said to Adam, you can eat from all the trees in the garden. Enjoy. But the, the tree that's in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat from it. And the day you eat from it, you shall surely die, he told them. Well, what had happened in chapter 3 is that Satan came in the form of a serpent, deceived the woman, had her eat of the fruit, and then she gave it to Adam, and he had a bite of the fruit, ate it himself, and, and then all of a sudden they recognized that they were naked. So they, they made fig leaves, sewed them together so that they could have a covering for themselves. And here's the key. When they heard the Lord God coming into the garden in the cool of the day, they did what? What did they do? Pop quiz. What did they do? They hid from God. Really good. Excellent. They hid from God. He said to them, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. He said, where are you? And Adam said to him, we... We saw that we were naked, so we hid ourselves. Lord God then asked them the key question. Who told you? Who told you you were naked? Well, he said, have you, no, the Lord said, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And he said, the woman that you gave me? <laughs> he, he, blamed him, he blamed her and him. And so the Lord then asked, the woman, what happened? And she said, the serpent deceived me. And that's where we are today. But where we are today is to talk about what is critical, honestly, to the world. I, I'm, I know this is a large statement, but I wish, I just wish somebody, anybody, would be able to give this message to the world so that they might listen to what the Bible says. I understand Satan has so many people so fooled and so deceived that not everyone would gather this information. But for those that could, it would set their lives free. What I want to do for you and for me is to put us in a place that we are so secure in what we believe in. And we know that we believe in what we ought to believe in because God has set the standard for us. And that's what happens here in this little incident that takes place as God places a curse upon the man and his wife. And really, ultimately, the curse falls on everyone that follows thereafter them. Here's what a curse is. Curse, very important. A curse is a curse is a curse. A curse is something that you just simply can't say, forgive me, and it'll go away, and you'll never do it again, and you'll never see it again. A curse is something that comes after you daily, day, day by day. In the life of a woman, part of the curse is that you're going to have pain in your childbirth. 
Part of the curse for us as men is that we will have to toil from the sweat of our brows the rest of our lives. But there's more to it than that. This place in Scripture is absolutely priceless. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at what did God say and what did God mean when he said that he is the way, the only way. In the New Testament, Jesus makes it so clear that you, you really have to want to miss what he's saying to not understand it. Or you have to think that he is a liar or that he is disillusioned. I don't know what they would think. But when he says in John 14:6, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. But it doesn't stop there. He says, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. He didn't, he didn't stutter. He, he didn't just say words. Those were the absolute of faith for us today. How then, since he is the way, truth, and life, and nobody comes to the Father through, but through him, then how do we do that? And that started here in Genesis chapter 3 and 4. And I want to tie it together for you so that when you walk out of here and you go wherever you're going to go this day, that you can just walk in assurance of your faith. That you aren't like so many would have so many to believe, you know, saying, "Ah, you know, God is so enormous, which is so true. And He is so great and grandiose. Do you think that this God that great would narrow it down to just one way? There's got to be many ways to heaven. And God says, no, there's not. No, there's not. There is but one way. It starts here. Let's get a look at it and let's understand it. I asked last night. I, I, don't, I didn't know the answer to it. I just asked, you know, I wonder how many different religions there are. I bet you it comes into the hundreds. No, David Briggs told me to study on it. There's 4,200 different religions and different beliefs. And so mankind has spun off from what God has originally asked us to do. For whatever reason, don't know. But I don't want you or me to spin off into a different direction. I want us to hold on to what God so graciously has given to us and hold on to it with all the assurance that we could ever have. So, let's take a look. When, when Satan came against Adam and Eve, he was bent on destroying mankind. We learned, as we started this study of husbands and wives, but it really is, encompasses all of us who are married or not. But when, when, when Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, he said, this mystery is great. The mystery he was talking about was the mystery of marriage. He says, but I am speaking in reference to Jesus Christ and the church. For those of us who are married, the picture that we are to present to the world through our love and obedience to Jesus Christ is a picture of Him and the world. To those of you who are single, your obedience to Him will show the picture of Jesus Christ and the church to the world. Now there is absolutely no question that God has rules that you and I must follow. And not to follow His laws will bring about consequences, which is the only reason, no, the, the, the very reason we study this, our Bibles. 
so that we can know what does God say you can do and what does he say you cannot do. And, and as you study through the Bible, you'll find out that there's a lot, lot more that we can do than cannot do. He's not narrowed it down that much. But, it's, but we're imperative to understand and know what he is saying. Some say that God is so big that there, there's many ways to him, but I believe that this picture that we're going to see today will give more clarity to that thought. We have talked here at this church over and over and over again about the importance of the Word of God. It's critical. It's, it's everything to us. And when our Lord speaks, it is imperative to us to listen and obey. Well, today we're going to see how serious our Lord is about those who do not obey Him and how we ought to listen. The example is going to be when we get to chapter 4 of Genesis, which will just be in a moment. It's going to be a, an example through, Cain, through Adam and Eve's two children, Cain and Abel. They both had a specific job to do, as we're going to be reading. And they were instructed by God how to worship Him, which we'll see in a moment. But Cain wanted to come to God his way, a different way. And in so doing, we're going to see the problem. But first, let's take a look and read here in Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 14. And let's read all the way to chapter 4 and verse 7. And let's see the curse, first and foremost, that God placed upon Adam and Eve Chapter 3 and verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly shall you go. Dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. That word enmity means hatred. I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. You shall bruise him on the heel. That was the curse to Satan. Verse 16, To the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, the Lord God said, verse 17, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Verse 19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now the man, Adam, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Very important verse. Verse 22, the Lord God now is speaking to, when he says us, he's speaking to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. So the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, 
knowing good and evil. And now, lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. And God drove the man out. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed a cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Chapter 4, verse 1 now. Now, Adam had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstling of his flocks and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, God had no regard. So Cain became very angry. His countenance fell. Verse 6, Then the Lord God said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire, there's that word, that your, its desire is for you, but you must master it. A lot, but sufficient we cover it today. So let's pray. Let's get into this. This is a, a great place in Scripture. Absolutely fantastic. It's If you've not studied it before, if you've not heard how God started all of this, of, of how we come to Him, and there is only but one way, I think this will be a, a great enlightenment for you to get to know and to get to understand. Father, please, move me out of the way as far as possible, Father. I... I really don't want to interfere in this, this wonderful message that you have for us concerning what salvation, true salvation is all about and, and how we can know for certain we're doing exactly what you've asked us to do by following after your Son, Jesus Christ. How it all began and how it took form, Father, and, and, and moved from the Old into the New Testament. So, Lord, would you please open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And I thank you, Father, for everyone here. Please, Father, bless us, I pray, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Last week, we saw where our problem lies. It's, it's through sin. It's as simple as that. And, and with sin comes great problems. And, 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 and not being obedient to God always has some ramifications to it. So once Adam and Eve ate from the tree, which God commanded them not to eat from, they were immediately, as we studied last week, separated from God. And they surely died, just like He said they would in chapter 2, verse 17. But their death was spiritual. It wasn't a physical death. And I want you to note something, very strongly noted. God did not separate himself from them. No, it was them in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, who hid from God. See, sin does that every single time. 
but it is always God who comes to search us out. God came to the garden in the cool of the day, and He searched out Adam and Eve, and He said, where are you calling for them? That is always the case. We studied a while ago a particular verse out of Luke, the 19th chapter, the 10th verse. And it was, a, it was the very essence of why Jesus Christ came to this earth. He says about his own mission on this earth, he says the Son of Man, speaking of himself, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He always seeks us out. Sin always separates from us from God, and God always comes back trying to bring us in to the fold. That's always the, the case. God always wants you. I want to say something. If you're here this morning and you've, you've heard the voice of God, but you've never really asked Him into your heart, never asked Him to forgive you of sin because you wondered about it all, if you hear Him calling upon you, don't, 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 don't stop that call. Accept it. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Ask Him to come into your heart. Ask Him to make you in the type of person He is wanting you to be anyways. And give your heart to Him. I think this week is kind of important for me in a sense because it was on March the 12th, 1973, 40, 40, 42, years, 42 years ago now. I know, I don't look that old, but... <laughs> man. 42 years ago that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. So this is kind of like my spiritual birthday weekend. If you hear that call, don't put him off. Don't put him off. Listen to the rest of this message if you could uh, and, and see why this is such an, important me- such an important issue for all of us to take care of. To ask Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And to trust in Him for the forgiveness of our sin. You see, sin will always separate you and me. It hinders the cure, in fact. And the only cure is really confessing our wrong, repenting of our wrong, and coming back to our relationship with God, not to hide from Him. And Adam and Eve, what they did was blame others for their sin, And they refused, it appears, to accept their own consequences for their own actions, as we saw in Genesis chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. So with that, God had no choice but to place His promised curse upon them, and ultimately us. What is the curse? Well, first He deals with Satan. Read with me again, verses 14 and 15. This is... is The fate that is for Satan, and it is fixed. It's in stone. It cannot be reversed. In verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Now, here's the curse. I will put enmity, that's hatred, between you... And the woman. Now, the key is who is the woman? We're going to see. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed, Satan's seed, and her seed, 
the woman's seed. He, the seed of the woman, shall bruise you on the head. That's a death blow. And you shall bruise him on the heel. God gives Satan his curse. The outcome is written in stone, folks. He is saying basically he, the Messiah, will eventually bruise Satan on the head. It's a death blow. Satan's end is fixed. We learn that from the book of Revelation. His fate is clearly pointed out in the end of the the book of Revelation, starting with, I think, the 20th chapter. He is to go into a place that is called the Lake of Fire, commonly known as hell. That place was designed solely for him and the fallen angels who fell with him long ago, long ago. But also, within that place of torment, that lake of fire, there will be all who refuse to accept God's only chosen method for sin and forgiveness, namely His Son, Jesus Christ. Something that only God can do for mankind. And that is to forgive us of our sin. How? That's a very important question. And the crux of the lesson of what that is is in Genesis chapter 3 and 4. Chapters 3 and 4 set the tone for the rest of God's Word throughout eternity. Sets the tone. And if you've ever listened to a message from our Lord, this is the place to pay as close attention as possible. We see that Satan, it says, bruises his heel in verse 15. In other words, it's not a death blow. His is none other than Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman, talking about Mary, who would give birth to Jesus Christ. And as we know, Jesus Christ, when he was crucified and buried, rose from the dead never to die again. So that was a a bruise to his heel, so to speak. On the other hand, speaking to Satan in verse 15, God has put an enmity, hatred, between, no, it says your seed, Satan's seed, and her seed, namely the Messiah. So there is a hatred between Satan and the Messiah. We see that wrestled out in life all the time. And now we realize that her seed, ultimately the seed of Mary, is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And your seed, Satan's seed, that's fallen angels. But it also encompasses all who refuse to come and to believe in Jesus Christ. Now how can we say such a sweeping statement? Well, Jesus explains in John chapter 8, verse 44, There was a multitude of people who opposed Jesus Christ. They refused to believe in in Him. They wanted Him destroyed. They wanted Him out of the picture. And He addressed them. And here's how He addressed them in John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus said to them, men and maybe women, I don't know, but human beings that were standing in front of Him, not angels, human beings, you, He says, are of your father, the devil. His seed. You've come from his seed. 
he goes on to say, you want to do the desires of your father, namely Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him, Jesus said. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own nature, Jesus said. He is a liar. In fact, Jesus says he is the father of lies. That's his, Satan's seed. And with that curse to Satan and his followers, verses 14 and 15, then God now turns his attention to Eve and Adam and places his curse upon them as well. Ultimately, falls on us, this curse. So he says to the woman, and every woman on the face of this good earth has experienced this if they've had children. He says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Isn't that not true, true ladies? My wife told me it was terrible. It was painful. <laughs> I was in the delivery room when John Mark was born, and I was kind of getting lightheaded, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, 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 was, I was okay, but I, I, I said... Uh, She's, she's, you know, she's, she's going through it. And I, I said, I need to sit down. <laughs> the doctor said to me, if you faint, you're on your own, buddy. We're taking care of this lady. There was one guy one time says, you know, I don't, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe uh, giving birth to a child is that tough. I don't believe it. Went to his doctor friend and said, Show me how tough it is. I mean, I've had my appendix out. How tough can it be? Show me how tough it is. The doctor says, I don't know that I can. I don't know that you can understand how tough it is. He says, I want to know. I want to know. She's telling me that it was hard on her. I don't believe it. He says, okay, grab your lip. Your lower lip, grab it. He says, good. Now, pull it as hard as you can. Pull it, pull it, pull it. He says, ow, ow. He says, is that how much it hurts? He says, no. Doc says, now wrap it around your head. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? The pain is great. In pain, he says, you're going to, verse 16 again, you're going to bring forth children. Yet it says, your desire. Now we want to center on that word desire. It is going to be for your husband. He will rule over you. Now in my in my feelings, this and he will rule over you is a part of our curse as men. And, and the reason I say that is because our Lord taught in Matthew chapter 20 to the disciples who wanted to be the head. He said, no, you, you have to... You've not come to be served. You've come to serve. And that's what God is asking from us as husbands. So to rule over our wives means for the rest of our lives... We're to serve her. But let's take a look at that word desire because with each birth, the curse is fulfilled with pain, granted. But the curse that causes really a lot of, of pain within the home of, of a married couple is the word desire. Your desire, even though you're going to go through this pain, your desire is going to be for your husband and and, and we've, I've had to explain this so much because women think that just because I've had this terrible pain in childbirth, I'm still going to desire this guy 
sexually. That's not what it's talking about. That wouldn't be a curse. That would be a blessing. No, the curse is the word desire. What does that word mean? And to understand it, we need to go to chapter 4. And we need to look at Cain and Abel. But in looking at Cain and Abel, we're going to see the very essence of faith. We're going to see why it is you and I believe as we believe and why it's correct. Look what takes place. I want to read the differences between these two boys, Cain and Abel. And there's quite a contrast. It says in chapter 4, verse 2. Let's jump to verse 2. She gave, Eve did, birth to his brother, Cain's brother, Abel. Now, we learn two things about these brothers. One, Abel was a keeper of the flocks, okay? He took care of the animals. Cain was a tiller of the ground, okay? He took care of the, of the, of the plants that they were growing, the, the food that they were growing in the ground. By the way, before the flood, they never ate any meat. God did not allow them to eat meat, only vegetables and fruit. After the flood, though, God said, Now you may eat. Well, let me read it to you. After the flood, Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, said, The Lord God said, Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. In other words, you don't have to eat the fruit of the ground anymore. Not that you, you shouldn't. If you want to be a vegetarian, fine. But don't be upset with those who like to eat meat. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I have given it to you just as I have given you the green plant. So plants were things that were to be eaten before the flood, animals and vegetables afterwards. Now, how do we know out of that, how do we know that Abel was the one who cared for the sacrifices, the spiritual side of the family? Now, I want you to find this place in the Bible. Hold your place in Genesis chapter 4. Turn to the right. There's Genesis, there's Exodus, then Leviticus. Look at Leviticus chapter 17. Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 17. And God gave them examples of why in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 21, why he clothed them with the skin of an animal. Have you ever wondered? When they, when they saw that they were naked, they sewed together fig leaves. And God changed their apparel. He gave them a skin of an animal. Why? Watch. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. God taught us. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it blood. I have given blood to you on the altar. In other words, as a sacrifice. For what reason? Look, to make an atonement. Atonement means a payment. A payment for your souls. God said, for it is the blood, God says, by reason of the life that makes atonement. In other words, makes a payment for sin. So God made it crystal clear. In the book of Leviticus, he made it crystal clear that the payment for, the atonement for your soul was the blood of an animal. That's how they were, that's how they were forgiven. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, you can leave Leviticus, but I would encourage you not to forget where that place is in your Bible. And go back to Genesis chapter 4 and chapter 3 where we are. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, God made them coverings, and He made them from an animal, not, not from fig leaves. And He sacrificed that animal for the sin that they had against Him because blood had to be shed for the payment for their sins. Now, why did God choose blood? I don't know. I don't know. I've never read anyone who does know. I've had a lot of... Oh, <laughs> later, and I'll ask you. Later, and I'll, later, and I'll ask you. I don't know why. I'm not sure why. But there is a reason that God chose blood. It is the life to give over for the sin that was committed. You see, it has been blood for the forgiveness of sin since the very beginning of time. And it will be blood until Jesus Christ returns. Let me read to you another place that goes alongside with Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. And it's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, According to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. Now watch. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So God has made it, people, crystal clear how you and I are have our sins forgiven. And Jesus made it plain when he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. And so from the very beginning of time, God showed mankind that blood would be the covering for our sin. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of an animal. But in the New Testament, it became the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. God Almighty. And so, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, to further this story, Abel took care of the family's spiritual needs. He was a keeper of the flock, the animals. He had cared for the blood that was to be shed for any and all sin. And by the way, it wasn't just once. They had to kill an animal every time they went to God for the forgiveness of sin. Now in the New Testament, we have Jesus Christ, and He died for sin once and for all. We don't have to keep killing over and over again. Blood was shed. So Cain, not like Abel, Cain took care of the physical needs of the family. He took care of their food, the fruit of the ground. Then the most important words in all of this come in verses 3 and 4. Please read with me verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4. It says, came about, here it is, in the course of time. Folks, those are the most powerful words in all of this that you and I can read. In the Hebrew, let me read the rest of it though. In the course of time, it says in verse 3, Cain brought an offering to the Lord, the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought an offering to the Lord, the firstling of his flock. So they both brought an offering to the Lord. Both of them did. And they brought it in the course of time. Let me tell you something. In the Hebrew, in the course of time, and an offering tells us a very important fact. And it is this. It was a very specific, predetermined place that they were to go to. The altar, wherever that was. 
it was also a specific predetermined time that they were to go to God. And it was also a specific predetermined action that was to take place when they got there. You see, the words, in the course of time, meant that God told them where to come, why, with what, and for what purpose. He didn't leave it up to haphazard. He told them what to do, when to do it, why to do it, where to do it. He told them all of that. And as we're going to read now in verses 3, 4, and 5, we see rebellion in the heart of Cain. Not in the heart of Abel, Cain. Let's see what happened. And we're going to see from Cain the first of myriads of attempts of trying to come to God another way. What, what, what some might call a, another religious belief other than the only one that God has ever allowed, namely blood. God has said we come to Him as He prescribes. And God has said that you and I cannot come to Him as we so wish. He will not allow that. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. You can't come to the Father but through Me, John 14, 6. And so we see that clearly as he reasons with Cain. Note what he says to Abel. It says Abel, verse 4, on his part also brought the first thing of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord, note, had regard. In other words, he accepted it. But for Cain and for his offering, God had no regard. In other words, he did not accept it. And therefore, it says in verse 5, that Cain became angry. His countenance fell. In other words, he, he's upset. Why, why not my offering? Why do we always have to go with what my brother brings? Why? He became angry over that. Now I want you and me to see the very mindset of God. This is a Privilege beyond privilege. We see why God doesn't like Cain's offering. Was it not pretty enough? I bet it was beautiful. Was it not Cain's best? I bet he gave him the very best he grew. Was it not Cain's best intentions? I bet Cain wanted, wanted to come to God and have God say, Nice going, Cain. I believe it was his best intentions, Cain's. So why doesn't God accept Cain's offering? Simple. Very simple. It wasn't what God told him to bring. Period. Case closed. You want to be like, like your brother? Then take care of the flock. Have somebody else take care of the food. But don't bring me food when I ask for blood, Jesus Christ. Now, that's what it's implied. Blood was God's only method for the forgiveness of sin upon the altar. So God then reasons. Remember what God did with, with Adam and Eve when they hid from Him? He, he seeked them out. Well, here we see God reason with Cain. In verse 7, well, actually, verses 6 and 7, the Lord God said to Cain, Why are you angry? I mean, think it through, Cain. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? In other words, why are you so upset that I will not accept your fruit from the ground? 
He goes on to say in verse 7, If you do well. In other words, if you do as I have asked you to do, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. One thing I find from that is very, 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 very intriguing and important. Sin, God said to Cain, sin must be handled by you, Cain. Now God has given you and me who believe in Jesus Christ a way. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and God tells us that if we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's given you and me away. Sin does not hold us any longer. That's why I plead with you. Actually, our Lord pleads with us. When we sin and we recognize that we sin, don't put it off. Don't say to Him, I'll, 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 I'll confess it tonight when I do my nightly prayers before I go to sleep. Deal with it right then and there if you can. If you are convicted of sin, deal with it at that very moment. Don't let it take hold of you. Don't do that. Come to the Lord. Let Him forgive you of your sin. And the only way you can come to the Lord for the forgiveness of sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if we were back in the Old Testament, I was saying, I would then say to you, let's get an animal, let's kill it, and let's shed its blood for the forgiveness of our sin. We don't do that now. By the grace of God Almighty, He has given us His Son who died for us. And so all those other religions are chasing after God, trying to make an offer. You can't see this. Uh, I want something. Make an offer to God that, that, that's, that He never asked for. And they're, they're, they're thinking, why would He not accept that gift that we want to give Him? And He is saying, if they would only listen, if you do well. Will your sins not be forgiven you? He has made his way narrow. He says that the way to God is narrow. The way to destruction is broad. That's all I know. We're going to have some prayer time up here in a moment. We're going to close in prayer. Anybody that needs any prayer, whether it be for salvation, which I would pray is true, or for someone that... that it, that's going through some difficulties, you want some, You need to, for us to pray for you, uh, whatever your prayer might be, we want to be a church that prays for you and, and lifts you up. And, and what they do over here will be very personal. They won't sp- spread it around. They'll keep it to themselves and pray. Now, let me pray and close this service. Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for Jimmy and Buddy being here. I know there's a lot of people here, but I, I thank you for them. Father, I kind of look forward to to seeing Jimmy and getting to know him a little bit. Father, for the rest of us here, I pray you'll bless us. That, that this, this time that we have together with you is so wonderful, Lord. Thank you for what you teach us. Thank you for how you set the tone for how we are to come to you long ago. And, and it's become messed up in people's minds because 
There are so many people that have other ways that they say are to God, and yet, God, you say there's only one way to you. May we hold true to that, Father. And may we walk out of here so assured of our salvation, so assured of our faith that we don't have to waver. Lord, thank you for this time that we have together. In the most precious name I know of, Father, that's the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you all with all my heart. Thank you for being here. I'll see you next week. We'll talk more about that word desire.